0: Partially Examined Life Philosophy Podcast Part 1 episodes are designed to be self-contained, fully satisfying experiences in themselves. But for hardcore philosophy fans, we record for another hour or so to release behind our various paywalls to folks that pitch in to help us make this show. What you're about to hear is a preview of one of these Part 2 episodes. We hope you enjoy it. You're listening to the Partially Examined Life Episode 292. Part 2 finishing up Suzanne Langer's philosophy in a new key on art and the point of her project maybe a good place to start is to make explicit this contrast between her and Scruton an Edward Hanslick who in the mid-19th century wrote this on the musically beautiful. And so he's the guy that's they both take on as representative of the view that music is pure. I mean, I think this was in even Kant, right? Kant was like, if you add lyrics and things, you're sort of defeating the purpose. You're junking it up with other. But Hanslick was, so this is 60 years or whatever later than Kant, wrote this famous essay on that it is not expressive. Music is autonomous. It is its own thing. And so Langer seems to want to kind of split the difference to say, well, he was right about a lot of stuff, that its way of symbolizing things is quite different than the way other things symbolize things. And so actually she's, in this book, in Philosophy in a New Key at least, disses quite a bit of these crutches that if you think you only understand music because it has a libretto that you understand or through the rhythms, like those are, these are basically not musical Qualities at all, right? Is the subject worthy of being represented? Just all these non-musical or non-artistic things that dullards use to fix onto it. And that if you really got it, then you would see that it, no, it's form and we have to understand what significant forms are. And so she's following Hans like that far and Scruton, I think, followed Hans like the whole way to say it's not that it expresses something external to itself. It doesn't express the artist's feeling or whatever. It just expresses itself. But Langer, I think, correctly says that that is having your cake and eating it too, that that is actually patently ridiculous to say that it is expressive, but it's expressive in an intransitive way. I don't know. This sounded good to me when Scruton said it, but now that Langer has explained why it doesn't make any sense, like, yeah, of course it doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, Hanslick's idea is that there's no representation in music. It's not conveying any meanings because really meaning is about reference. And Langer's point is that, yes, that's true. That applies to literal expression, to what's discursive or to what's scientific, but that's not true of other modes of symbolism. So that's where she gets into the question of, well, if music symbolizes, what kind of logical form would it have? And then she gets into musical structures basically, quote-unquote, logically resemble certain dynamic patterns of human experience. So like crescendo, diminuendo, accelerando, retardando, which
0: is a really interesting idea. Does that
1: make sense to us?
0: This is exactly the point. Is it representative or not?
1: Non-representational
2: symbolism, in a way. I was trying to connect what you were saying, Wes, with what Mark had said. I'm trying to find that passage that you were just it's talking
1: 183 about. in the middle,
2: She's articulating the semantic. And then it gets
1: even more complicated because there's the experience, right, with music playing it, composing it, or being an audience. And those are all different things. But just thinking about the experience of listening to it, what does it mean for it to non-representationally symbolize the dynamic traits of inner life, to use her phrase? It's not that we're being induced with certain feelings that it's representing. It's not that we're being induced to sympathize with others having those feelings. And it's not that we're talking scientifically about the feelings. It's something that is deeper than that and
2: different, but still symbolic. All right. I want to read that passage. The upshot of all these speculations and researches is that there are certain aspects of the so-called inner life, physical or mental, which have formal properties similar to those of music. Patterns of motion and rest, of tension and release of agreement and disagreement, preparation, fulfillment, excitation, sudden change, etc. So the first requirement for a connotive relationship between music and subjective experience, a certain similarity of logical form is certainly satisfied. Now she's just going back, this is going back to the Wittgenstein. What would it take for music to be a picture of a thing, right? Like, well, it would have to share a logical form. And her claim is the logical form of music... Which is tension, release, motion, and rest, agreement, disagreement, preparation, fulfillment, and so forth, is mirrored in our experience. Kasir had something similar to say. This is where I kind of hit the limits of what I understand about music. Like, I don't know enough about the technical language of music to understand, but I do occasionally listen to things. So there's a guy I really like on YouTube called Rick Beato he has this thing, what makes this song great? And he goes in and he breaks down and it almost immediately gets into a language that I don't understand. But when he talks about music theory and these sorts of things, you talk about chords satisfying things. So you can do a, a third, a fifth and a seventh and that works, but a third, a fifth and a sixth doesn't or something like that. And it's just, don't quote me because I don't, understand it. I'm just saying. I love sixth chords. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It's like the minor underneath. Come on. <sighs> this is my point. There's people who know music talk about music in terms of satisfaction. So you're... Dun, 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 you expect, you are prepared. The stage is set for you to expect a certain note. And if you don't hear it, you are dissatisfied. And then there's... Na, 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 na your attention and release, right? And I went down this kind of like rabbit hole thinking about this notion of satisfaction and desire. And it's like, you know, we've talked on numerous Eastern philosophy episodes about desire, and we've talked about it in Western terms of intentionality. But there's this notion of satisfaction of a desire, the desire for an object, right? Whether it's epistemic or whatever. And I think there's something to her claim that music can articulate the tension that is inherent in desire and its, albeit temporary, satisfaction in a way that language just doesn't do on its own. And in a way that maybe I think other art forms maybe do differently, I'll just say, but maybe not. Music has that ability to... Take us on a journey of our human experience because it is able to represent desire, satisfaction, tension, and release, and at the same time, recreate that, right? Because, of course, desire is eternal. Life is suffering, right? There's a kernel of truth in there that I, maybe more than a kernel. It sounds a lot like Schopenhauer, right?
1: Somehow, music gives us this insight into the structure of the will, let's say. And when we listen to music, we're doing something with our will, let's say. But the broadest way to describe it is tension and resolution. But music gives us many waypoints between tension and resolution, partial resolutions or partial tensions, right? What is a fourth? What is a fifth in this context? What about harmonic tension, right? It's not just one note at a time, but we're doing harmonies, we're doing chords. And and then what specifically does all that mean, right? So like I'm learning... Mrs. Robinson on the guitar right now, (laughs) and that communicates something in particular, which would be hard to describe it in words. As a critic, you could talk about it, but it's about a certain state of mind, a certain feeling, or maybe a dynamic sequence of such things, which is very, very particular. And a different song, of course, will also be tension and resolution and waypoints between, but it'll, it'll be about some other very particular human phenomenon but it still is confusing the question of what kind of symbolism that is is still a bit confusing to me i think we have to talk about specificity ultimately to think about that question
3: i agree with the idea that there's something particularly emblematic or the music manifests this really really well especially in the sense of being able to experience it like having it be brought out of oneself you can experience those effects. I tend to think, though, that manifestation of, say, tension is really an experience of, well, the experience of something missing and something needing to be completed. And to me, that's exactly the kind of human cognitive emotional experience that leads you to look for the next thing in anything. Whether when you're hearing music, you're reaching out for it, it's at the root of, plot development and narrative it's at the root of our interpretation of the world of looking for how one thing connects to another how holes are formed from parts it doesn't seem to me that music is alone in doing this it crystallizes i think some of that experience it also allows it to be manipulated in you so you can ride the experience itself but when i'm figuring something out and i don't know what it is the thing that my sense of finding something missing I would describe it exactly as perceiving then and resolving attention.
1: I mean, to go back to the example of Mrs. Robinson, just to get specific, it, you know, and it's connected to this movie, The Graduate, right? But it's evident in the lyrics. And maybe we should abstract from all that and just talk about the tonalities. But, you know, if you take it as a whole, you could say, well, this is a song about the hypocrisy and fakeness of upper middle class suburban life, that kind of thing from the viewpoint of someone, an up-and-coming young person. So it's a certain feeling. You could say it's about adolescence. It's about the psychical dynamics. You know, If we want to talk about dynamic patterns of human experience, to use a phrase, you could say that that's the particular experience growing up in that type of situation or being an adolescent in that type of situation. We could talk a lot about that as critics. We could put down a lot of words on all that stuff and describe it very well. Supposedly, there's something in the music which captures that in a, just an intuitive gestalt presentational way that we can't simply put into words, and that's something I kind of buy. Actually, what happens when we get rid of the words and the context of the movie and just talk about it purely melodically and harmonically? I mean, I I think at the very least you could say it captures a certain kind of complicated, you know, succession of feeling states that graphs very well onto this whole idea of growing up, being an adolescent in fake suburbia or something like that. So you could say it captures it non-discursively, it captures it intuitively, which is not to say that it just it gives me the experience of being that kid or that it's about my sympathy for the kid, but it conveys it somehow to the understanding still, she want to say, but in this primal, intuitive way.
0: So it's funny that you bring that song in particular up because I, when I was a very, very small kid, listen to FM 100 Chicago, which was like the elevator music channel. And there was a an instrumental version of Mrs. Robinson that they played with some frequency. That was like one of the first melodies that I recall walking around humming. Do, 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 do. And it suggested zero of what you were saying. When you say this captures something, it is that this whole picture has been painted of the film. And it's vivid way of depicting that situation. And this music does fit with it. It goes with it, but it does not in any way sufficient to give someone who is not familiar with the whole picture that vibe. In fact, cause I've thought a lot about this in trying to write rock and roll songs or interviewing people who write rock and roll songs and how it's just so idiomatic, right? I was talking about the blues in this respect. There are some artists that are, they're so messed up. The Sid Barrett, the early leader of Pink Floyd, if you listen to his solo stuff, they're just naked. They're not even good musicians anymore. And there's something I can't remember if it was in Langer or the Cassier that was like a warning that one of the people that Langer was quoting was saying, the musician has to feel it in order to then pass that feeling on to the audience. Another one's saying that, oh no, you don't want to feel it because then you're gonna sacrifice your mastery of your craft. Like if you really are being expressive then you know it ends up being a barbaric yawp. It ends up not being like a crafted song at all. So what people do when they're feeling uh, hard to put into words frustration or something is often they just glom on to some preexisting idiom that kind of seems to work pretty well to express that. And so rock and roll or do 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 is not rock and roll. I'm sorry, that's like that is old fogey, but it is a hummable little ditty. That could have been popular in the 30s or whatever.
1: Does that connote anything? Right? Could it connote nonchalance? Could it connote... And in a certain context, of course, it's ironic. It's meant to be ironic. And it's a tension with a darker riff underneath, like... On the, on the guitar. So there is actually a darker note in song, which is what, part of what makes it interesting. And the nonchalant do to do thing is, is an irony. But how much do we need culturally, right? How much context do we need before it becomes those things? Can it purely in an abstract say anything, even in this Langarian
0: way? If that sounds like the kind of thing that you want to hear more about, then please go to partiallyexaminelifecom slash support. Thanks for listening.